Hello and welcome to Who's Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Ozzy. And we've just come back from the Mac where we've seen Long Day's Journey into Night, the English title of a Chinese film, mm-hmm. uh, directed by Bai Gan, or B Gan, I don't know how you pronounce his name. Mm-hmm. Well, I kind of struggled uh, after a while, although I really liked how it opened. I really liked the first, I suppose I liked the first hour or so. Uh-huh. It's just roughly a two hour film, two hours and a bit, and it's really in two big sections. There's a there's a really kind of film noirish back and forth between the present day and a kind of youthful past mm. going on in the first half of the film, and then the second half goes off into this long take, literally a long take of fifty nine minutes, uh, moving through a dreamlike sort of other world. Well, not another world because it's sort of realistic, but it's also not. And um, I started to really struggle with that. But early on, when it's when it's about a young guy. Uh, who's in love with this girl and he has a kind of tumultuous affair with her and then the present day older version of him looking back trying to track her down I thought there was some beautiful stuff in there some of it was absolutely beautifully shot and lit it's gorgeous I mean it's one of my films of the year you know and I don't know if I made it clear to you but this is my second time seeing it I didn't know that no yeah so I had seen it in Madrid oh right Um, so when we came out of the, the cinema I was I was telling Mike, oh, you know, I think this film has a half hour missing because, you know, I remember like more detail about the background, right? And again, you know, I'm obviously remembering incorrectly, but I remember more action in the end of the film. Mm. You know, I have this memory of him using the gun, which actually, you know, viewing it this time, he clearly didn't, right? Yeah, <laughs> I know? mean, he clearly couldn't have either. Like, it's, yeah. it, is, it is one take. Yeah. Um, no, I know. Yeah, anyway, this is how memory... You yeah, know, plays tricks on you, because uh, uh, I thought the film was missing, missing stuff uh, that it had been easier for me to understand in my first viewing, and it seemed more confusing uh, this time around. So actually, my experience was interesting because some things became clearer, you know, and some things became less clear on the second viewing. So you know, I thought there was much more of a setup at the beginning with like the father dying and his return home, you know, and the stepmother negotiating or, you know, trying to do him out of the restaurant and, you know, him finding the message and the clock, mm. you know, uh, all of that stuff I remember being shown in more detail than actually it was. So maybe it's just your mind playing tricks on you that you flush all of that stuff out. You made sense of it yourself yeah. and then watching it again, you go, oh, no, it maybe wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, I really wasn't following it for a good... 20 minutes at least like yeah. just who who the people were and exactly what was going on it took me a while to clue into the fact that it was playing a story in flashback yes um but once i you know once i kind of figured that out it made a lot more sense obviously and i started to really enjoy it because when it goes into those flashbacks like i say god they're they're sumptuous oh, they're so beautiful you know i mean the whole film i think is really beautiful though you're right that you know because because the last 59 minutes are in one take, a lot of visual beauty is sacrificed, right? Because, you know, in the beginning, the shots, the compositions are just so beautiful, right? And they're beautiful in every way. Like, they're beautifully colored. They're kind mm. of, they're beautifully composed. They're, the compositions kind of make shapes, you know? 
Uh, they're romantic. I mean, it's a film. It's one of those films that makes smoking sexy. Yeah, exactly. you know the way people sit, the way the girl sits there with a cigarette between her fingers, looking dispossessed and angry, and all the rest of it off off screen. Yeah, you know, and smoke bellowing and all the rest. Like that is so beautiful. That, that is how kind of that's it's sumptuous to look at, yeah. and and the way they're lit as well. You know, when when people there's a lot going on with flame in the film, and yes. a lot of it is with people lighting yes. uh, cigarettes. And you know when a flame comes up, it illuminates someone. When someone turns on a light, it it I mean, obviously illuminates things, but it illuminates things very harshly and sharply. Like for instance, when he puts the bulb in in the basement, uh, that's kind of flooding, and then the light comes up, and and it not only does it illuminate the whole room, but it illuminates all the droplets yes. that are that are falling. I love the film because, you know, you're talking about illuminating. Well, to me, like, the whole film is illuminated by a kind of hurt. Yeah, and and actually, it all takes place on the level of feeling. I think this is so interesting because, you know, it's a film noir, but it's a film noir in which the driving force is kind of lost love. It's an emotion, right? It's not like sex that's the driving force. Mm -hmm. You know, it is like a feeling of love, yeah, the kind of that the the film wants to, or the protagonist wants to recapture. Yeah, the sense of you know, reconnecting with a lost love. So it takes place on a kind of like a different level of feeling. You it's know. really romantic, I thought. Yes, I thought so too. Um, at, at least that first half is. You really feel this guy's this guy's lost. And it's not even that, you know, you never think, oh, he thinks he can get together with this woman again, anything like that. You never get that feeling. It's just he needs to know what happened to her, where she is. Yes. Because this... I think it's only like a summer that, that, that they spent together when they were young. I don't think it's like a long... Uh, kind of relationship that they had, it, it got, they got the impression it was a kind of short but but kind of fiery thing between them. Yes, I mean those things but are they never left clear. An impression. Yeah, I mean those things are not clear, right? And I think they're deliberately not clear. There's a a line in the film where they say, "Well, movies always lie," mm-hmm. you know, but memory is composed of things that are true and things that are lies. I the stuff that you remember being real, you sometimes kind of rearrange to your own present purposes or whatever. And I thought the film kind of captured that those ellipses like really beautifully. Mm. You know, it's kind of memory, it's fragmented, it's like half remembered, you know, but it's all kind of driven by a kind of a sadness and a longing, you know, that I love very much. Yeah, and there's also a feeling of um there's a feeling of vitality in in not only in the characters in those flashbacks but also in the world that they inhabit. And the, and, and a feeling of of color and life, and I guess that all kind of works together, and it, and that's in contrast to I'd say the present day that you see, which feels dilapidated, a little bit grey and a little bit empty. You know, when he goes to the hotel, for instance, every the places that he goes to are all shutting down. They're all, you know, I think the the, the restaurant, maybe the restaurant isn't closing down, but it's not busy. It's the, the last home, day. Is it is it last day for the restaurant? It's the last day that that thing is open at the end. Yeah. Oh, it's the last day for that uh, cinema, cinema brothel place. Yeah. That they're closing down the next day. Um, the hotel that he tracks the girl to, it's certainly not busy and it's not in good nick. Um, they don't seem to have anyone there, and it, there's no suggestion it's closing down, but it's nothing happening there. You know? Well, they do say that it's the last day of that place. Oh, do they? Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, um, so I like all of that actually because. The thing is that there is also like a shift between these half-remembered longings, you know, the, of the beginning, you know, and then like what is a really harsh reality of, you know, that that 59-minute sequence, mm-hmm. you know, which is 
It's like a whorehouse. It's dilapidated. It's everybody trying to make a living and also kind of desperately trying to have a good time. Yeah, mm. you know, the singers, the guys selling CDs, the pool game, all of the people around it in like these sofas. Yeah, mm. um, and you also get a sense of griminess of like, you know, I mean, people have been sold into that, right? Like, you know, you get a sense of power relations. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. So what do you think we're supposed to make of that last sequence then? Because there is a real dreamlike aspect to it, as, as well as the, the, the single take, the camera roving throughout this, this town. Mm. Um, it's some really kind of... You know, a lot of the time you're actually spending, or at least I find I was spending, going, God, how did they get this shot? You know, how did they do it? Because um, to some degree, actually, what is happening is less interesting than the fact that it is happening all in one go. But it, it contributes to a kind of dreamlike feeling and and i suppose uh, having a having a kind of carnival party type thing contributes to that as well but also the fact that actors from the first half of the film show up in other roles here mm. repeated mm. perhaps most of all the girl um who your main character who is the same recognizes and she says no i'm not the girl you're looking for whoever she is yes you know so but it's never certain whether they are or they aren't it's, yeah that's true but that, see, well I, yeah I mean, I also really... So I, I have mixed feelings about the last 59 minutes, right? Because, you know, on the one hand, with all of these long-take things, I find, A, that they're show-offy, right? And B, that they're not worth it because all you end up seeing for large chunks of the whole sequence is somebody's back. <laughs> like, I hate these long shots where you're just following somebody's back, right? Mm. Like, I think it's kind of such a waste of what cinema can offer. Unless, you know, that process of, you know, walking, 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 like, yeah. is meaning something. But I think in this case, actually, it is a little bit, yeah? You know, so at the end, when he takes the old woman's watch and he goes up the steps to bring it, you really get a sense of the tiredness, the weariness, yeah? It's been mm. a long night, yeah? And so actually, the going up the steps and all you see is his back and then... Actually, all you see is his feet, yeah? It goes down, you mm. see his legs, and then, you know, you do get a sense of that tiredness and weariness and so on. So I think there are, there are aspects in which that does work, yeah, to keep maintaining the long tape, mm. but there are others in which I think it just doesn't, yeah, that it would have been much more effective and efficient to have just cut, right? Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, because you have the unity of time and space, you know, through the long shot, then it renders other things kind of quite extraordinary. So the symbolic and magical. So on the one hand, you know, one is meant to be like fragmented, like memory. The other one is meant to be like the realism conveyed through the unity of time and space. And on the other hand, that time and space is just quite harsh. It is a whorehouse, you know, and people are for sale. And some of them have been sold into that. But nonetheless, it contains magic, doesn't it? The swirling of the... Yes, the spinning of the uh, ping-pong paddle, and yeah. so then we'll be able to fly, and then they do fly. Yes, and the we don't see up. that, but... The camera flies. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so it's... it's it's There's yeah. there's room for kindness. You know, the the stuff with the young boy, right, helping out. Yeah, it's a world with, with an element of kindness and magic, as well as exploitation and violence and power relations 
Yeah, I mean, I must say that wasn't that wasn't really my reading. I mean, my reading was, was more that what you see of it becoming a whorehouse and a place where you can pick up prostitutes in the first half of the film is what that place would have become. You know, it's not necessarily like, you know, obviously you go to this party at the end and mm. you can get laid, but um, it didn't didn't occur to me that that was like it was as seedy as that was as you're suggesting. Well, I could um, be wrong, but that was my reading. Sure. Yeah. I took it to be more of just a kind of carnival, more of a party. Ah, you see, well, I didn't because, you know, if you remember like when the old lady who could be his mother, you know, when she comes out with the torch, right, they say, oh, that crazy woman again. And then when she goes out, she's she's locked in. Yes. Right. You know, so there's a sense in which these people are locked in to this. Yeah. But that also, and that's why I also start to lose patience with the end, because I just thought like, A, nothing's happening, and B, when something is happening, it's making no sense to me. To the point where I was just going, please stop now, actually. Okay. Like, please stop, because I don't care if you don't wrap anything up. I just need it to end. It was getting quite hard to watch. Oh, I loved it. I mean, I did, though, actually, it was so interesting reading, you know, about that internet frenzy, and they say anybody who likes this is what do they call it? Phony something. <laughs> oh yeah, f- uh, pretentious, fake, pretentious film, fake film, something like that. Yeah. Uh, because well, because what we're talking about there is because we were just looking this up. The film was marketed as like a romantic sort of event film. Yeah, which is clearly not. And a date movie for like for New because it was released on December thirty first, like a New Year's date thing. So it pre-sold loads and loads of tickets, and then people saw it and went, "I don't get this. What's yes. going on?" And anybody who says they get it is a phony. <laughs> yeah. yeah, apparently there's a hashtag on social media. Can't understand long day's journey into night. Yes. Yeah. So the film opened on December 31st. A good event to celebrate the new year. A lot of people went to see the film without knowing that this is an art house film. Uh, this resulted in a major backlash as the internet complained against the film, as well as calling the ones who appreciate it, like me... <laughs> Gia Wenyi, phony artistic. <laughs> so I am being phony artistic, but I really loved it. <laughs> I don't, yeah, it's not phony, but it's um, but I really try my patience towards the end. Whereas, like I say, when it was, I don't want to use the phrase more conventional because that first half of the film is playing with your perceptions. Okay, so it's not it's not doing this long take thing, and it's not starting to mirror these characters and and uh, make analogies as much or make kind of visual sort of metaphor, like the thing with the apples and things like that. That's what's going on in the second half. In the first half, there's a lot less of that, or at least it's setting up what you're going to see again in the second half. But in the first half, it's not devoid of long takes. It's got its long takes, and a couple of them I thought were really beautiful. There's that one with the um, the rain in the car when you go when he's oh yes that's lovely. kind of following yeah. her and, and there's and there's rain coming down on the windscreen. Then the camera turns left and the camera starts following her and he's talking to her. I mean, there's just some wonderful things going on and that feels like that is a really justified long take it feels you know it doesn't feel like I mean I love how it's visually designed with layers of obscuring your vision with the with the rain on the windscreen it's beautiful you know because it's it's allowed to do that it's allowed to to just ruin what you can see until you're just seeing a couple of lights kind of kind of badly filtered and then when he starts following her you know, again, you can't see her that clearly, but you know it's a figure of a woman in this green dress. And then the windscreen wipers come on, you can see her clearly, and it's like it, it, it feels like a fresh and a new. Yes. It was beautiful to look at. I loved all of that, and I loved, you know, the setting it up. You know, the mother being a criminal who stole a book, and the thing is that the book was only half read, and 
you know, and the way that that then is picked up in the second half of the film, really, yeah, so that, you know, phrases, words, things kind of reappear, but in different forms. So, you know, when when she in the first part tells him, you know, I will go with you or what, or something like that if you find me a wild pomelo, yeah, like mm. a grapefruit. You know, well, actually, you realize later on that the wild grapefruit is really like a slot machine or the name reoccurs again yeah. as a slot machine, you know. Um, so, so kind of, you know, there are all these continuities that are built between all of those elements, but whose signification is not locked in rigidly, but it still remains open. Yeah. Mm. You know, the person who might be the mother, like, might also not be. And there's this wild cat who is like an old criminal yes. friend. Yes, I think, and I think I think she might be supposed to be Wildcat's mother. Yes, that might, well, there's the impression I got at least. But right, uh, it might no, be nothing is too is too locked down as you say. But I I did I did prefer it when it was more a little more grounded, a little more concrete. I, felt I like think I the first the half were. is just so visually dazzling. It's so beautiful. It's so entrancing that actually the long shot at the end feels disappointing. You know, and I actually do think that filmmakers better wise up you know doing a long shot is not a big deal in you know the current moment it really isn't yes if you have a steady cam and you can follow somebody around for like you know 24 fucking hours you know it's not a, a technically impressive feat i think you that's know. being a little harsh now. it is technically impressive but i just think it's to no great end i don't think i don't think I mean, if you think about what they've had to choreograph and and figure out in this shot you know, they've had to move the camera from up here all the way down there. You know, they've had to move the it. The thing about like Orson Welles' three-minute long takes yeah. is that they were absolutely impressive because at each moment, you know, the shot signified. Right? Well, that, this, this is what I'm saying too. It, it technically is very impressive, but I don't think it adds up to anything. I don't think every moment counts in it, which yeah. is a problem. Well, for me, if it doesn't count, it, it's not impressive. You know, but yeah, that, that's I mean, different. I could make a 59-minute long shot. You know, it'll probably be full of dead time. You know, but, but it'll be fifteen minutes I, long. Yeah, no, I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to clarify the difference. I think there is between technically impressive, which I think is because there's a lot of choreography that's had to go no, into the I, shot, I get that, I get and that. cinematic impressiveness, which there is a lot less of. Yeah, and it doesn't feel justified really. Yeah. and I was t- I was c- kind of starting to lose patience. I wasn't kind of. I really was losing patience. Yeah, yeah I felt you moving and around in your seat. You, were, you were not being phony um, artistic. <laughs> I, I, I didn't need to be. I wasn't trying to. Sort of, I wasn't trying to point out what a bad time I was having. I was. I was. Well, for one thing, I was quite tired, so that doesn't help, you know. And and maybe that if something starts to annoy you when you're a bit tired, it just helps you be more grouchy. So there's an element of that maybe, but also, I mean, the seats at the Mac, I really am not comfortable in, and so I was just even from the start when I was enjoying the film. I was not comfortable in the seats anyway. Well, actually, I was very cheap because I chose the cheaper seats. We could have moved. Yeah, I, I thought about it, but yeah. I didn't want to, I didn't want you to be all like, oh, why are you moving? <laughs> yeah, I normally don't like moving because I figure, you know, I've paid for my seats and I don't want anyone to budge me, right? Yeah. Like, you know, That's the only of... reason I sit in those seats at the front. I know you don't like it because it's too close to the screen, but it's just because that's where there's leg room. Yes, well, you know, yeah. I'll anyway. consider that next time. Um... Anyway, anyway, I saw it twice, and to be honest, I wouldn't mind seeing it again. Oh, really? I mean, yeah, I do think that it's a film that you have to see on a big screen. Mm. I mean, I would find it intolerable watching it, you know, on television. I mean, like right now, I think my concentration is so bad that I have 
problem watching 90 minutes films, you know, without yeah. pausing or going to the kitchen or having a coffee or right checking my Facebook or whatever. So the idea of watching like a slow film like this, mm. you know, on a screen, I can't imagine it. But actually, I found it, I did find it entrancing, you know. There were elements of kind of portraiture in it that reminded me of um, If Beale Street Could Talk. Uh-huh. In, in, just kind of visually. You know, some elements of the way people are looked at by the camera. Right. The way people are seen. That, like, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't have that Barry Jenkins thing of looking at people straight on, which I think is something wonderful that he does. He really confronts you with people's faces. Um, but there were, I don't know, it seemed to share a kind of sensitivity that that film had. Yeah. You know, like a sensitivity in looking at people and you can feel who people are just by the way they're dressed and sat and lit and composed yeah. and all the rest of it that this yes. has. I mean, there is a real, you know, in that first half, there is a really wonderfully, beautifully artistic eye to the composition. Oh, I, I agree. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's dazzling, actually. Yeah. It's dazzling and evocative and expressive and beautiful. It's just, it is, you know, entirely entrancing. Actually, I think the film is worth seeing just for that alone. Hmm. Anything um, further for you? I feel a no, bit No, I think I've been phony artistic enough. <laughs> I, I think there is stuff to dig into in, 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 in the in the links and the motifs that recur between the first and second halves. You know, I picked That's up. why I'd like to see it again, you know, because actually I did find it entrancing. But I also f- I also feel I haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. And I want to. You know. I'm not sure that I do. That's the problem, but which is not really the right attitude. Um, well, it's not the wrong attitude. I mean, if you don't, you don't. No, but um, you know, yeah, you know, just wasn't feeling that second half. But there is, there, there is clearly the thing is to, to, to. I feel, I feel like I'm just dismissing it too much by saying it just bored me and made me angry and stuff. You know, that's kind of, that's kind of an in the moment reaction, and that's kind of fine. But it's not enough. Like there is, there's, there is a purpose to making the second half the way it is. Oh, completely. And and I actually, I th- I think the film is very clear on that because, you know, the first half is like this fragmented memory moving back and forth from the present and past and, you know, and so on, right? Mm. Like you really get that sense of fragmentation of memory. Mm. Yeah. Whereas the rest is unified. Yeah. Yeah, but also in terms of kind of what's being shown in it. So, like I say, the way that those things are reconfigured, the way that. You know, characters may or may not be who they were in the first half, no. um, and and come back and, and and represent different things. You know, <laughs> exactly. So there are all these continuities to explore, right? Mm. You know, and I feel like I haven't I haven't got the answer, and yet you feel that everything in the film is really deliberate, that it does really connect. Yeah, that there is answers, if not unanswered, to be found. Yeah. This is operating on a feed on a level of feeling. You know, it's, it's a film that you feel your way through. So it's not that you know the the red hair means something very deliberate, maybe, but that it links those two characters, and that they have such different attitudes to it because one of them won't have red hair and the other one has red hair, um, and not only has red hair but has a flaming torch with her as well that she's just torched her house with. You know, um, actually. I think what I like most about the film, and just, you know, to pick up from you, is that sense of feeling, really, that, you know, kind of, throughout most of the film, you are at one with that feeling. That feeling is communicated, and you're sharing in it, you know, the sense of of loss and longing and attempting to repair and find. Yeah, it is like a kind of feeling that the film envelops you in, 
you know, and and so not only communicates but gets you to experience it, or at least got me to experience it. And actually, I think that's why the film is extraordinary, you know, that it does do that without you fully. So understanding is not necessarily the most important part of the film. It is like, yeah, this feeling that it conveys, you know. Mm. Um, and I really participated in it, though I would also like to have that understanding. So, so I think understanding is secondary. All right, well, we're going yeah. to end it here. I would really highly recommend it if you can see it in a cinema. I would recommend it um, until it gets really boring and painful. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm phony artistic, Mike is not. <laughs> I'm real artistic. <laughs> All right, well, thank you very much for listening. We're eavesdropping at the movies, and we are on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, uh, and Spotify. Uh, on social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Excellent. Goodbye.